In Yellowstone National Park, a few weeks back I listened to a horror den of misfits podcast covering human and animal mutilation. Super creepy, especially if humans are really being found mutilated like cattle. So of course I tell my hiking buddies all about the episode as the sun sets and really freaks them out. The night is nice, stars are out. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The next day I came across a dead rodent right in the middle of the trail that looked to have all the signs of animal mutilation. Eyes are removed. There's a hole at the back of his head that appears to be black slash burned. I saw. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Rockets also have a black burned look to them. I obviously didn't check if his spine and organs were there, but there was no blood and no insects on the body. Who knows if that was just like the work of bugs and sun, but I thought the timing was so stangy. I have a video of this animal I'll upload later if I have time. But it is really strange because over thousands of miles I've seen plenty of dead animals in various states of decay but this rodent looked perfectly preserved except it was missing eyes and there was just that hole at the back of his head, maybe half an inch wide that appeared blackened and cauterized or burnt. I've never seen this before and there's the timing of it all. Places totally have vibes to them. Some places that we walk through are straight up hair raising and I can never figure out why, yet I've confirmed it with other hikers. They'll usually ask hey did you feel weird back there and they always go yeah. I did. It just didn't feel right. One place in Utah comes to mind, it was a short day hike I did with my girlfriend in Canyonlands NP. Forget the name but the trail took you up the side of old crater, I think they theorize it was a meteor strike ages ago but don't really know. Anyway we got to a spot, sat down, and were immediately overcome with this incredible lethargy to the point where we both wanted to fall asleep on that rock. I'm a pretty disciplined hiker so I stood up and said we can't dally here. Oddly I also had this gut feeling that we shouldn't fall asleep there. And also weirdly my girlfriend said offhand in a joking manner to some other day hikers coming up the trail be careful up there, there's a vortex that will suck you in and put you to sleep. She meant vortex in the hiker context of a town that'll suck you in and keep you doing unplanned zeros. But still, odd choice of language right? And I'm reminded of cases of UFO and fairy abductions that start with people inexplicably falling asleep in the woods in the middle of the day. Speaking of weird places, the at crosses through an area known as the Bennington Triangle. Going south you'll cross over Glastonbury Mountain and then enter the town of Bennington. Apparently there were four or five missing 411 style disappearances there in the 1940s Google it, really interesting stories. And the natives avoided the area because they believed devils lived on the mountain. When I walked through the day before I had written a blog post about how the trail was teaching me to follow my gut and how following my gut always seemed to save me from storms and other things like that and just generally turn out good. Well this day I was planning to go through a small town called Manchester Center then climb onto Glastonbury Mountain and camp on the mountain. In Manchester Center I eat a burrito and have the worst stomach cramps I've ever had. Tried using the bathroom. To wait it out, nothing. So book a room in a motel. Literally the second I've paid and get to the room my stomach pain goes away. This was cramped so bad that I was walking hunched over that just disappeared in the matter of seconds. But I'd already paid so I stayed. No diarrhea or anything that day. Everything 100% normal after I changed my plans. 
climbed the mountain and went into Bennington the next day. Only after I realized that I would have been on the mountain on the night of the full moon. Is that relevant? No idea but it just struck me as very very odd how I wrote about following my gut and then my gut literally forced me to not climb that mountain. Oh on the way down is where the long trail and the at intersect, and that intersection is where a young woman disappeared in the 40s without a trace. Weird. Now that I'm thinking of weird places with bad vibes I'm reminded of this small 5 mile loop I do at home in Missouri. When I walk this I usually always stopped about 3 miles in and turned around. No real reason that's just what I always did. Went in there maybe 4 years ago with an ex-girlfriend and we ate about 1.5 grams of shrooms each. The first hours of the trip were great hanging out about a mile into the loop, then we decided to hike more and entered the section that I unintentionally avoided. It was so strange. The only way I can describe it is that it felt like evil descended on us. I'm getting goosebumps as I write this. I felt this deep pit of despair and depression come out of nowhere and I just knew that that year was when I was going to die. I knew that our relationship was over. We both got real quiet and didn't talk for about half an hour. Then came to this ledge and I kept getting these horrible images of her running full speed charging off this like 80 feet ledge. Then all of a sudden the oppressive energy lifted and we both just burst out like did you feel that what the hell. So she also felt that incredibly negative energy and felt that we were done. Our reactions were very interesting. We both felt like we should focus more on spirituality and develop a stronger spiritual base. I kept having the thought that the greatest lie is that there is no good and evil in this world, if you believe this then you're truly vulnerable to true evil. So after this experience we got into hypnosis a little. She could fall into trance very easily. One session I took her back to that day and she absolutely freaked. She said that we were attacked by a demon who attacked those who are undecided now I'm not religious at all, and still I'm not, and I think this is her Catholic upbringing coloring her experience but I do think there was something very evil there that day in the woods. Also it's fascinating that I just avoided that place intuitively right? Even with these experiences and all the content I listened to regarding the paranormal and missing 411 I don't feel at all threatened or in danger in the wild. I'd say 99% of my time out there I feel as comfortable as if I were sitting on my couch at home. We were built to be in nature and the woods and the wild really are not a threatening place. Spend enough time out there and you truly will feel right at home. Night hiking alone is freaky at first but like anything else you get used to it. It's very peaceful to just walk through the woods bathed in the little glow from your headlamp. It feels a lot like a voyage into another dimension. Funny enough I ended up getting off trail right when I hit New Mexico. Got Jardia and ended up puking and shitting my guts out. Dropped from 178 to 162 pounds in under 2 weeks. It did make me wonder though if my gut wasn't protecting me again. Because New Mexico and the reservation lands are famous for their skinwalkers and I did feel like I was kinda stirring up their attention by writing and talking about them throughout my trip. But none of these is even close to the greatest danger out there. I came the closest to death I ever have on trail right before I left. This was San Juans in Colorado, 
We were pushing through late in the season and we got three straight days of freezing rain. It was horrible, one night everyone else got ahead of me and I was pushing up a pass at 12.5k foot followed by a one mile ridge walk at 12k feet. Pushed over the pass right as the sun set and freezing rain started up again combined with winds that were blowing 40 to 50 miles per hour. I'm so incredibly cold at this point but there's nothing that can be done about it but to keep moving. You can't layer up beyond your rain gear because anything else will just become soaked and useless. Then my glasses start freezing in the rain and I'm getting a horrible refraction glare from my headlamp that combined with the clouds and freezing rain enveloping the mountaintop brings my visibility down to about a foot. Then I lose the trail so now I'm just literally on the side of the mountain hiking on the side of some pretty steep grades. Steep enough that if I were to lose my footing I'd slide slash fall dozens if not hundreds of feet and possibly off a cliff because those are certainly abundant in the San Juans. At this point I can feel panic and bile at the back of my throat but I know if I panic I'm dead so I just focus and keep moving in the direction where I think the trail is. Eventually I see the light from headlamps up ahead and it was my hiking buddies who were all huddled under a tarp. We never did make it to our intended campsite and instead had a sleepless night huddled under the big tarp all trying to stay warm. I've never been so cold in my life. When we finally got to town I realized feeling wasn't coming back into the tips of my fingers and it took about a week before that numbness went away. Out of all the dangers in the wild nature tops it all. This last deer season I hunted on my friend's 10,000 acre ranch and I came across a deer shed on a small rock pile. The shed had obviously been placed there, and upon looking closer I found a small plastic container buried at the base of the rock pile. I opened it up and found a pencil with writing paper and people's thoughts from the location. His family has had the ranch for over 15 years, but many of the entries were recent, 2005. 2006. People wrote about shooting at elk out of season May, and bagging a cougar in the same spot. Other entries contained profanities about a rattlesnake and Jimmy smashing it to death. The next entry was a hippie saying Jimmy needs to be one with nature. The highly intelligent elk and cougar poachers wrote their full names with dates of the hunt and we turned them over to my friend's uncle. We left the shed and wrote a note inside the container saying you're on private property, etc., etc. On Mary's Peak I came across a car down an old, dark road and it was covered in towels and tarps. I didn't knock and really didn't want to know what kind of creature, or what was inside. From time to time I run into odd folks or spooky shrines, but I'm always armed and stay away to avoid a confrontation. I pity the kids that found the body in Brown's camp. The news report said it was quite gruesome. My two uncles on my father's side of the family. The story goes that they were out dove hunting in the brush country in Atascosa County, Texas one late afternoon. If you're not familiar with the South Texas area, the brush country is a very odd place. It's essentially where the desert terrain of Mexico's northern areas meet with the central Texas hill country. Not many tall trees aside from the common oak tree, 
but the landscape is riddled with thorn bushes, mesquite trees, tall yellow grass, and paddle cactus. I've always found it to be a very hostile environment just to explore off the beaten path. Anyway, my two uncles are out hunting, shotguns in hand, quietly pacing through the animal trails and thorn brush, ready for a dove or quail to leap up from the tall grass. A couple hours go by and they've bagged a few birds and decide to call it a day and begin walking back to their vehicles to drive back into town. I believe they lived in Jordanton slash Pleasanton at the time. The sun is beginning to set and they're wading through the tall grass across an opening in the large brush, laughing and shooting the shit when they come across a small glowing object that's just nestled on the ground as if it's been placed in the tall grass for them to come across. From what I remember my father telling me about their recollection, the object was the size of a soccer ball and was slowly pulsating a very bright reddish-orange light, but wasn't giving off any heat that they could feel. Apparently they were too frightened to get any closer to it than several feet so neither of them actually touched it. They were unable to decipher what it was and simply walked around it to continue their trek towards the vehicles where they quickly hopped into their trucks and hightailed it back to town. I've been told it may have been a meteorite which is the most plausible explanation but they never found out for sure. I'll ask my father about it tomorrow, to see if there's anyone else interested in learning more about what they saw that day. There's a few other creepy slash odd stories from my father and his family, who grow up in that area, if anyone would like to hear them. I found two meth labs about five to six years ago while turkey hunting near Eugene. The amount of trash was amazing. Tents, five-gallon buckets, a Coleman stove, pots and pans, so much food and cold medicine wrappers it was sickening. I wasn't really sure if where I had ventured was legal so I made an enormous tip. My brother was out scouting near Eugene about six years ago and found a decomst body with a chrome handgun laying six feet away. They led the cops there and showed it to them. It was identified as missing mentally ill man and listed as a self-harm. A place where we used to hunt late season near Ashland had a man camped in a VW bug, yes the small VW, back off the dirt road. During the hike and you had to pass his camp. I never saw the car move, but did see him taking a shower with one of those solar shower bags while it was snowing and there was four inches of fresh snow on the ground. Huge fat naked guy showering in a snowstorm. Some friends and I used to go exploring in the woods, we were all insomniacs and never slept and we'd even walk around when it was night with flashlights obviously. We'd wander around until we got tired and then turn around. Dumb I know, but we were young and thought we were invincible and we also grew up out there and knew the area really well. Well one day we get really deep in, we've been hiking for over a few days, obviously have taken breaks to rest and eat, we'd been planning this, but we were in the part of the woods we'd never been before. No one really went in this part because there's a rumor it's haunted. There's no particular reason why it's haunted, people just say it is and everyone stays away from it. So obviously that meant the five of us needed to check it out. We've been hiking for a few hours again we stumble upon this. Compound. I don't know what else to call it. 
It was a bunch of huge brick buildings, I mean hundreds of them. They were all falling apart and caving in, overgrown WIV, but there weren't any signs anywhere. We decided to check it out. Some of the buildings are pretty unsafe, the floors have caved in, but we're so fascinated wondering WTF is this place until we start to notice something really weird about it. It's these huge buildings, but there are no bathrooms. No kitchens. No closets. Just. Rooms. Just a ton of rooms in all the buildings. They all have chimneys but there's no fireplace. Except a huge incinerator room that leads into a smaller incinerator room that is like a fake door that leads into an even smaller room with some teeth. We start getting a little freaked out. But we figure it's probably just animal teeth or whatever, so we move on. We decide to go in one last building because it's closer to where we came from and is more in a clearing so we can make a safe getaway if we need one. Now while we're here, the whole time it's been eerily quiet. The buildings have all been really dirty but we start to notice it's also really weird that there's nothing left behind in any of these rooms. No furniture, no clothes, no odds and ends, no beer bottles or chip bags from squatters or teenagers. There's also windows on the outside of the houses but no windows inside, like the rooms are just walls. We climb into this house through a hole on the side of the wall BC the door won't budge. It's small and some of us have to squeeze in. I go in first and I immediately feel. Just weird. Like bad. I tell them to hold on but they make it sound like I'm being silly so we laugh it off and they all come in but then we all feel. Weird. We notice this is the first staircase we've been able to find. All the other buildings have three stories but there were no staircases anywhere. This staircase is right to the side as soon as walk in. We all kind of look at each other like we want someone to say we should leave but none of us want to be a little bitch so we decide to go up the stairs. My friend and I go first to check it out, and again it's just a bunch of empty rooms. But my friend and I start getting really creeped out. Our other friends are exploring and find this creepy ass book sitting on like this beam in the middle of one of the rooms. And then we notice a door to the side, which is weird because there haven't been any doors, so we decide to open it and immediately. We want to scream. But we suppress it. We know we can't. There's blood everywhere. It's a bathroom. A small tiny bathroom with a tub. There's blood in the tub and the walls and the mirror and marks where it looks like someone was dragged but was trying to pull themselves away. We take some pictures before we get the F out of there and we turn around and our faces are just pale. Our friends ask us what's wrong and we say nothing, it's just a closet. But we know we need to leave immediately, we feel like we're being watched so we don't say what we saw. We continue checking around and saying how cool stuff is, we don't want to let up we saw anything. But then our friends start going down the hallway, even though it's so dark down there that their flashlights won't even work. We look at each other, knowingly, and we grab them and say hey let's check out this room first to the side BC we missed it. So we put them closer to the stairs and us closer to the hallway, in order to try and get them away from whatever we feel like is down there. Our friends are clueless and peek into the other empty room while my friend and I hear something move, something definitely human. I can't describe it, 
but I know it wasn't an animal. It's like a shuffle across the floor and almost a whisper. Our flashlights all start to go out one by one, which we think is weird, but we're telling our friends is just probably BC of the batteries. We tell our friends we gotta go check out that room we missed downstairs first before we come back up here and check out the cool hallway. My friends don't know what's going on so they start going down the stairs. A marble rolls down the hallway. One. Single. Marble. We all freeze. We see a big hunting knife downstairs that wasn't there before, you can see part of the room downstairs from upstairs. By this time my friends know something is wrong. Something creaks. We shout run. We run down the stairs, but we all have to fit through the tiny hole, but something is blocking it. We're freaking out. We hear laughing. My friend and I break the glass on the door and kick through the rotten wood, but it's still a smaller just bigger hole, we send them through, then my friend goes. I'm in the doorway. I look up. I see a sliver of two or three figures in different parts of the house, I see a blade in one of their hands. We all book it, I mean we ran faster than I've ever run in my life. We didn't stop for hours, we just kept running and running and running. We told our friends not to stop, we said we have to keep going. Eventually, all of a sudden, we just felt this weight lift off our shoulders. It was like the woods even got lighter, more beautiful. We slowed down, we kept walking for a while until we were absolutely positive and we went through some riverbeds to throw off our tracks and set some fake ones. Our friends had no idea what was going on so we finally tell them that someone was in that house or building or whatever and was about to straight up murder us or do something worse and that we had found someone's murder bathroom. We show them the pictures and they start freaking out and are upset we didn't show them even though they admit they would have screamed which would have for sure given us away. We all were silent the rest of the way out BC we were so scared. We finally make it out a while after as the sun is rising and we call the police but they don't believe us, we were just teenagers at the time. We can't even tell them where it was because we stumbled upon it and we were so freaked out. A few days later there's a fire in the woods. They find some remnants of structures and a few buildings are left standing, but not the one we were in, and no evidence of someone living there, but everyone in town thought it was weird but in a cool way, except us obviously. The police said if anyone was there it was probably just a buck they were skinning and that's all. But I know it wasn't. My friends and I have never talked about it again, it's kind of like an unspoken rule, and we never go to those part of the woods, not even in that general direction. One time three years ago I was hunting in the Sylvies with a buddy and his did when I decided I was going to go down in this big canyon. It was a dried up creek bed and there were caves all over it with old hieroglyphs in it. There also was a very odd feeling that I got down there. Also, all you that have found graves in eastern Oregon around Burns there was an Indian war right by Riley and there are many graves out there. If you ever get a BLM map there is a location on it that says something like baby grave. A couple of us went to find it bow hunting a couple years ago and that's what it is. There is a circle of rocks and in the middle a headstone like thing. Very creepy. 
Also along HW20 heading east if you know where to look there is a big rock that is marking a grave site of a man hit right next to the road. My hunting partners came across a couple of marijuana grow operations while we were elk hunting in the Saddle Mountain unit. We found a few of the remains of an old diamond tea, logging truck wasn't much there, but, I took the radiator surround, it was rusted way beyond doing much with it, cleaned it up, rattle canned its silver and made a shadow box wall hanger out of it to display other found artifacts. I've run across a couple of old concrete structures in the coast range that must have had something to do with old logging or sawmill operations although their purpose wasn't really clear. On different occasions, on the Malala River, I found a wallet with it and some money, turned it into the Malala police, and, a Gerber boot knife, kept that. And, on the weird slash creepy side, the dead guy, we were driving down this logging road, rounded a corner and ahead of us, parked in the middle of the road facing us, is a small foreign car. We were not at first aware it was actually at the end of the road and we were sorta of cursing the person who abandoned it there. As we got closer, we could see a man slumped back in the seat. As we got even closer, approaching a wider spot in which to turn around, we could see it was an old man, yay, really old about our ages now. He was ashen gray and we just knew he was dead. Now we're bemoaning having to stop our hunt and go find a state trooper. Just as we were exiting the truck to go verify what we knew, the guy came alive and sat up. We recognized him as the fellow who was camped just a little way from our camp. We turned around and left. The rest of the hunt, we avoided any area we knew he was near for fear we might really find him deceased the next time. My dad has some property in Indiana that he rents with one of his buddies. I had never been there before, so my dad took me out to check out his turkey hunting spot. From the road, the property starts with a house. The house is easily 200 years old. It literally looks like something out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Kinda spooky, but more fascinating than anything. Anyhow. My dad and I drive about 500 yards into the woods. We set up some paper targets on trees, as we have intentions on shooting our guns. I had a rifle and a 40 calories handgun. We start letting rounds fly. Having a blast. After about 20 minutes of non-stop shooting, I literally felt like someone was watching me. I wasn't wrong. We both turn around and there is this stereotypical hillbilly old guy standing there. He looks at us and in such a stoic voice says, I heard some gunfire, just wondering what was happening over here. My dad introduces himself and the guy identifies himself as one of the owners of the property. He tells us as long as we don't pick the wild mushrooms, we can shoot all we want. He said the wild mushrooms were his and that he hunts them and eats them. Dude literally moseyed on off in the direction we were shooting towards. Never saw the guy again. No cars, no ATVs. Nothing. My dad still has no clue who the guy is. The owner of the property is a young 40s city guy. My dad is too scared to ask him if his old man lives there. LOL. 
Some questions are best left unanswered, I guess. One time my boyfriend and I were camping out in the wilderness. It was probably close to around 11 p.m. slash midnight and we're both in our tent, laughing and talking before we fall asleep. His dad and stepmom are both doing the same about 50 feet away from us in a camper. The conversation died for a second and, as it was quiet, we hear a freaking roar. Imagine a man full-on roaring, like the most anguished yell I've ever heard before in my life, only it wasn't a man. It was close to it but way bigger, way more powerful sounding. There's no doubt in my mind that this was not human, but I couldn't think of a single animal it actually matched up with. Neither of us are new to the wilderness. He grew up in that forest and has probably slept more nights out there than he could count. I'm a really big camping slash nature enthusiast myself and have heard so many different animals make so many different noises. As this is going on, both of us are completely paralyzed so I know he can hear it right along with me. The noise dies out and, as soon as it's been quiet for more than a few seconds, dozens upon dozens of coyotes start answering back in every direction. Yipping, crying, just everything in this dead quiet forest is completely filled with them calling, all over. This goes on for what feels like forever before the yell comes back out again. All of the coyotes stop at once. The only thing you can hear is that roar. It sounds like it's miles away from us but right next to us, simultaneously. The coyotes all stayed completely silent after that. Both of us have been quiet, listening, the entire time. Then the yell goes dead, there's no noise after. The entire forest is silent and it takes me a minute to ask if he heard it, already knowing that he did. He told me yes, no tone in his voice. Just flat and fast, yes, so I sat frozen in my spot and tried thinking of every animal I've ever heard, in the wild, at the zoo, on nature documentaries. The closest thing I can think of is a person, but almost more primitive. Way bigger, more powerful, more wild. I ask him, do you know what that was? Have you ever heard anything like that before? He answers, with the same dead tone, no. I've never heard that before. Both of us agreed that, despite going through every animal in the almanac we could think of, every state of all those animals, hungry, mating, challenging, dying, that could produce that kind of noise, or what kind of animal could be big enough to even make that kind of call, let alone with that much range and depth, nothing. The next morning we didn't even have to say anything, his dad and stepmom started the morning by asking if we heard it. They said Bigfoot first, just for the record. I don't disagree at all, this is exactly how I decided that I believed in Sasquatch. I've searched on YouTube and I've found some really similar calls. Nothing has matched perfectly, depth, length of call, that sort of thing, but some of them are almost so spot on that I don't have a problem thinking they're made from the same thing. I came to this thread to read other sassy stories but haven't found one yet, so I figured I'd throw in mine. This happened about three years ago and I want to hear it again so bad so I can try to record it. I'll be completely open to somebody suggesting an alternative to what it was, but I promise it wasn't any of these things. 
I wasn't hunting, but I used to walk in the woods a lot when I was a kid. There's a pretty large stretch of woods near my house and I used to walk through them as a shortcut to get to my friend's house. I should note that this isn't a heavily wooded area, but it's large enough that it takes about 15 to 20 minutes of walking at a solid pace to pass through it. Anyway, when I was maybe 12 to 13, I was taking the shortcut about an hour after sunset and I kept hearing leaves crunching behind me. It was creeping me out and I had a flashlight that I kept shining into the trees and brush behind me. At first I thought it was a small animal but it was very bizarre and I could just feel that something was off. It was like the footsteps would pick up right when I started walking and were just barely audible when it stopped suddenly. Finally, I swung around with my flashlight in time to see some random guy duck behind a tree as soon as my flashlight beam hit him. I took off running and didn't look back, nor did I ever take that shortcut through the woods again. He must have been following me for at least 5 minutes and I have no idea what his intentions were, but the memory of seeing him quickly ducking behind a tree stuck with me and it still creeps me out. We used to give a martial arts boot camp in the Mayan Riviera and stayed in the grounds. It looked very wild despite the fact that there were two cabins and a training hall already built. As we were warned by locals that there were many jaguars, we'd lit a fire every night and every now and then would go out to put more wood in it. It was around 2 to 3 am and we were still awake and hungry, so we decided to make some dinner but the fire was about to go out. We decided to solve this with the classic rock paper scissors and I won. He went outside and I stayed to make us some PB and JS. After two minutes he bursted through the door running his ass off and out of breath, the fire was like about a 20 yards from our cabin. After recovering, he told me that he was looking for a big enough log near a tree when he heard a deep but short roar, he then turned his torch up and saw it, just six feet away from him and like three taller than him, he's six feet tall. The jaguar was sharpening its claws on the tree and staring at my friend, whom then sprinted back to our cabin. We made the deal of never going back out there alone, especially in the dark. After that night, we heard big and heavy steps over the fallen leaves, every night of the 10 days we stayed there. I was on a work trip collecting mosquitoes in the jungles of Guatemala. Not hunting. If you look on a map and find the ruins of Tikal, there's a single road that heads north even further into the jungle to a small village. It was near dark when we arrived. We worked until dark, then my boss wanted to go explore the ruins of Waxiktun in the dark. My headlamp was dying, so I could only see a few feet in front of me, along a narrow jungle trail filled with howler monkeys and Mayan ruins. I definitely got a strong sense something was not right, and finally convinced my boss we should head back. We got in the truck and hadn't made it more than a mile before we saw something walking along the narrow road. As the headlights hit it, we saw it was a jaguar. It stared at us for a few seconds and took off into the jungle. The guide slash interpreter slash driver said in 40 years working in the jungle it was the first time he had ever seen a jaguar. Not sure if it was near the ruins when we were there, but I felt a little vindicated about wussing out on the ruins. 
living in Four Corners area driving through Navajo Nation. Very remote is an understatement. Many years ago before smartphones. I had a hard copy map and CB radio in my 1989 Chevy Corsica if that better illustrates. I don't know canal but no cops, local or federal, have jurisdiction on Rees. Only tribal police. Tribal police are almost non-existent. Only thing Navajos hate more than Utes are whites. Am white. Guess I can kinda appreciate their stance. Still super sketchy. Like 2am. Desert highway. No cars. No gas stations. No exits. No nothing. Not even a radio station to pass the time. Seek function on FM radio just pinwheels around and around the dial. Driving solo. Speedometer is maxed at 80 plus for what seems like eternity. Long straight away. Yellow headlight beams illuminate something on road in the distance. Quickly approaching I slow to about 50 miles per hour. Long row of basketball-sized stones placed about a foot apart crossing single-lane highway perpendicularly so as to stop all traffic. I slow enough to prevent rolling car as I swerve into sand on side of highway to avoid rocks at about 49 miles per hour. To this day I believe I narrowly avoided being robbed and scalped on side of highway. Should have taken Route 666, lol. Last year me and a few buddies were up near Mount St. Helens going for a snowmobile ride. It had recently snowed three feet so we decided to go up for an evening ride. Well when we got there it was apparent that no one else had been up there riding, snowshoeing or cross-country skiing since there were no tracks in the snow. The area we were riding into was next to the Clearwater Canyon on the 25 road. Anyhow, we took off that evening heading out all the side roads having fun and cruising around. After a few hours of riding we went back to the truck for some food and with the bright star lit full moon night we decided to go out for one last night ride which was pushing 8.30 in the evening. Well the four of us proceeded back up the 25 along the Clearwater Canyon when we noticed lights down in the canyon occasionally flickering on and off. After stopping for a few minutes and looking down into the canyon we could not identify what it was. The weird thing was there is no way to get into the Clearwater Canyon unless you walk the three miles in, there are no public roads that pass through it. After watching the lights it looked like there was machinery or something working down there but none of the lights made sense. It sort of freaked us out a bit so we decided to get out of there. I was on the lead bike so as we all started our snow mobiles up to head back towards the truck we didn't realize that Chad had gotten stuck and was left behind. Well when he got back to the truck he was freaked. I'm talking so freaked he was shaking and really weirded out. Chad's been my best friend since we were 7 years old and he's never in our friendship acted as if he were scared of anything. Well Chad went on freaking out saying we needed to hurry up and load up and get out of there screaming there's something up there with a super bright light and it was coming for me on foot. Well I guess when Chad had his snowmobile stuck this thing, human? Came up out of the canyon towards him and by the time he finally got his snow machine unstuck it was 20 yards away or so pointing the light right into Chad's face. 
To this day we've still never figured out what or who would have been that far off of any roads in that canyon with three to five feet of snow around, and still can't figure out why someone would be walking out of the canyon which was two to three miles from the bottom to where we were at 9.30 to 10 p.m. at night. The only thing we can think of is they might have been doing some military training in the canyon? Anyone have a clue what it might have been? Back in the early 70s, we hunted the Starkey and Chicken Ridge area, there is a fire lookout up on a ridge, I was tired, and the lady who was a lookout person asked us to join her for coffee, I started to hike off the mountain, about halfway down, I took a break to just look at the view, I noticed off to my right some flannel material, like a shirt sleeve, and upon further inspection, there were human bones, and about 20 feet there was a Remington 3006 rifle sitting propped up to a tree. The rifle was rusted up, I marked the spot out to the road, called the police from the Starkey store. Lost hunter from three years earlier, wish I could have kept the rifle, police I think have it. Not a hunter, but a fisherman. I didn't see it, that was the thing. Took a friend down to my private community's private spring, and there's a stream connects to it. So I was showing her down this path, and it's right next to a bunch of homes and a preserve so there were a lot of animals. This is in Florida by the way, and during the fall, it was a beautiful trail that I had been down hundreds of times, when we hear an animal call up in the trees somewhat far away. I had no clue what it was, and I know all the local bird calls, this was not one of them. We shrugged it off and kept walking, after taking a step, it got closer, and closer and closer. Until it was right on top of us, we turned around and ran. Never heard that noise again, I'm still cautious when I'm around there. My fiancé used to be a wild land firefighter so he spent a lot of time out in the wilderness. He has many stories as really freaky stuff happens once you're 40 or so miles into the forest. One of my favorite stories of his is when he was woken up by a large, heavy, warm animal suddenly lay down against his tent up against his side. He didn't know what it was until it started to purr. He frequently reminds me how when you're in the woods, a mountain lion is almost always watching you. He's taught me a lot about mountain lions and bears. But then there was the time a family, kids and all, came up on their crew with garbage bags full of body parts. A plane had crashed and a family that was hiking apparently thought it was best to bag up the bodies, or what was left of them, and go find someone to give them to. While hiking with my dad and brother near Mount St. Helens, we came across an abandoned canoe in this small raging river. So it was kind of weird to see someone actually tried to float that river in a canoe. But of course, my dad wanted to take it back with us. We were too far in to pack it out on the trail, maybe seven miles or so in. So we had the dumb idea of trying to float it out. Well, the current had it pressed fairly hard on some rocks, so we had to pry it out with tree branches. We finally all got in, and started down the river. Twice we had to bail out of the canoe, 
because we were going to be smashed against some large boulders. We had that darn canoe totally inside out with the current, and wrapping it around fallen trees. Several times, we had to just get out and walk it around some rocks. It took the better part of the day, but we finally made it back to the trailhead. We were all white from being cold. The aluminum frame was totally destroyed, but the canoe was still floatable. To this day, my dad still has that wreck of a canoe. Down here in South Oregon, I have stumbled into a half dozen pot fields. Some pretty basic, but a couple were large and pretty sophisticated. I found one stolen, brand new Toyota pickup that had been missing for three months. Also one body, that turned out to be a self-harm. Once found a very large cage, in a small meadow, like circus cage. The bars were probably 1.5 to 2 inches thick. The cage was roughly 6 feet wide, by about 8 feet long, and about 8 feet tall. It had a door that slid down at one end. It looked extremely heavy, and I have no idea how someone got it that far from a road, approx 3 miles, and what they were trying to trap with it. Found a small Indian cemetery in South, Central Oregon. Looked like it was a family buried there, all from the early 1900s, from the makeshift tombstones. Also found a wrecked airplane a couple years ago. It was a small two-seater plane, and there was no survivors. It had been reported missing six years earlier, and the FAA wasn't aware of where it was. Also, two weeks ago while scuba diving, I dropped down onto a wrecked sailboat that hadn't been there that long, maybe a couple years. The local fishermen didn't know it was there. I marked it and I'm going back in a few weeks. Lost my wallet deer hunting in the Ochocos a few years back. Thankfully I wasn't hunting, just along for the trip, because we got stopped by a state trooper who checked our tags and ID. I had nothing. I gave him my name, address, ODL number, social security. Pretty much anything I could give him to prove I was me. Because we weren't doing anything illegal he let us go, but said if he found out anything bad about me from the info I gave him he would know where to find my friends and eventually me. I got a phone call a few weeks later from a man who tripped over my wallet. Crazy thing was he found it a few hundred yards off the road where I had been doing a push for my buddy. He lived close and brought it to my house. Nice guy, didn't even want a reward. I'm surprised at the amount of dead guys found in the woods. A little reminder to be safe. I found one of the satanic altars way up in the Mount Hood Natonal Forest once. We were about a mile back off a popular hiking trail and stumbled across a pentagram arranged out of medium-sized peculiar-looking stones, in front of a large flat-topped boulder at the base of a rock wall. My buddies who were with me got really scared and wanted to leave ASAP, but I made them wait until I rearranged the rocks into a smiley face. While fishing the lower sandy I walked past a large naked guy playing with himself in the sand and talking gibberish. I didn't see him until I was right up on him. We made eye contact, but I just walked on by without missing a step, 
as if it hadn't really happened. Bad memory. I also seem to find pairs of shoes on a fairly regular basis out in the middle of nowhere. I always wonder how in the heck people managed to lose their shoes out in the woods. My dad has found some cool stuff in the woods over the years as well. A lot of old logging artifacts including a really old hand crank winch that he found with cables hooked to a huge old growth cedar that was fairly rotted out. Apparently some loggers had attached the winch to one tree and used it to try to pull another in a specific direction while they were cutting it. Anyhow, something went wrong and the cedar they were pulling on ended up on top of their winch, hammering it right into the dirt. Must have been there for quite some time, since the timber my pops was cutting at the time he found it was fairly mature. In any case, he dug it out and pulled all 200 pounds of it back to the truck. For those of you wondering how heavy stuff like truck seats and circus cages make it way back into the woods, it's probably crazy old loggers like my dad. Looking at that winch I would never in a million years get it into my head that I would want to drag that thing through the brush and try to lift it into my truck. In any case, he got it home and spent weeks cleaning it up and wire brushing it. It now sits in his shop with an assortment of other logging artifacts has found over the years. I go out river fishing and tend to find some pretty remote spots. Usually really pretty scenery and just trying to bring in a fat trout. However, there have been a few times I've been pretty spooked. I parked my car by the river and entered in. No footprints or anything in the muck so I knew the spot hasn't had any activity. When I was done and came back I exited at the same point I came in. There was a fresh boot print next to mine. No car near mine and it's pretty quiet with the road close by. I would have heard something I figure. Smells. Sometimes I'm walking and I just smell something way out of place like someone plugged in a strawberry glade thing. Do some flower smell insanely sweet? No berries in sight or anything. Sometimes the smell even just goes away. The smell of marijuana but I don't see anyone around. Makes me think they can see me. Probably harmless but it makes me uneasy someone can see me and I can't see them. I usually just keep walking and find a new hole. Sounds. Trees creak and groan. Then, I've heard buzzing but not like a bee's nest. Just. A buzz sound. Power lines? I'm not sure. Finally, the realization that I didn't tell anyone I'm out here and if I injure myself or drop my phone in the river or my keys. I'm screwed. Usually I'm not that far from a house but there have been times that I'm way out in the country and there's nothing around. Like it's so easy to step wrong or into a deep hole or shit you don't want to lose that $10 lure that you cast once and it's snagged. People fish nearby areas because first they are easy access but second people can find you far easier if you mess up. Oh I guess not really creepy but more funny. I'll see a random sock or shoe. Sometimes women's underwear and on the rare occasion a condom. Used. Oh man did I have a good one in pursuit of hard to find trout way up in Maine. I decided to go find a nice spot based on just a map, it was really swampy around the river but I found a nice moose path that lead almost directly to the river. 
caught a bunch of nice brookies, all on emergers. Nothing astounding, one was probably 14 feet I did see something weird on the bottom of the river and after poking at it I realized it was a foot bone complete with hoof from a deer. I thought that was odd. I decided to call it a day because it was going to be dark in 30 minutes and I figured it would take me 20 at best. Well, I took the wrong moose path. I figured the road ran pretty much parallel to the river and I'd eventually come to that and hit a junction if I overshot it. I ended up in a big patch of woods where the river bent way away from the road and there was a lot of real estate, and it was really boggy so trying to stay out of the much I was left trying to pick the best moose path. Well, there were a lot of ravens around, they seemed annoyed at my presence and didn't just take off. They were making a racket and some were checking me out, crowing at me. Generally acting creepy. Then I started noticing a smell. Yep, death smell. I started noticing more deer bones. Just a few at first but holy shit there were chunks of deer everywhere. Rib cages, legs, jaws, chunks of spine, some of them in low tree branches. Big pieces of them even, like a whole spine and hip slightly above eye level. Still with semi-putrid bits of flesh and connective tissue on them, crawling with beetles. This was all sorts of horror movie messed up, with a dozen ravens watching me and being pissed off. It must have been 20 dismembered deer and I was already getting nervous about the fading daylight and creepy ass birds and then stumbled into Bambi Birkenau, wondering if I was being stalked by the Wendigo. Anyways I hit the dirt road maybe one third of a mile from the car after dark. What I'm pretty sure happened to the deer is that they yarded up in the winter near the river and an ice dam let go. The water would have been way up in the woods and it drowned the whole herd. Unsettling is all F. Man, as a trout enthusiast, I can relate to this. Scouting tiny river walk-ins in the middle of nowhere is a good way to encounter this kind of stuff. I don't think I've encountered this, but I have been within sight of a bridge or just peered off into the woods to see people walking along or just looking around. They're obviously just minding their own business and maybe watching me fish, but sometime when you're far out it's weird to encounter people just walking. I haven't encountered this exactly but I have had smells lead me to deer carcasses and such. Always a little unsettling. Honestly if I'm trouting in the middle of a river and my waders in the middle of nowhere, I might smoke a little during a short break. But usually it's a skunk. The smell carries though so people nearby might be the case. Creepy the way you describe it though. This is the big one for me. When it's all of a sudden too quiet or a random tree whipping or the river splashing. Every once in a while I'll hear a cow moo unexpectedly because there's a farm on the other side of the woods. I suspect this is the cause of buzzing, I think I've heard this before, and it might be electric wire fencing nearby. Realizing you're far from your car as it's starting to get dark and you have no service. Thinking about falling or something and not being able to hoof it out. Ugh. I am a spearfisherman and I exclusively freedive, mostly in my home waters in the Gulf of Mexico. There are three things that have left me truly questioning whether it is worth it. 
I got over it, but dropping on a wreck filled with very endangered Goliath grouper is quite intimidating. When one turns and vibrates on you, you feel it to the bone. When 10 turn to face you and do their deep vibrating intimidation call slash growl, it triggers a the fight or flight response, which is especially dangerous while freediving as you need to control your heart rate. Jet skiers, the amount of people on the water who don't know slash care what a dive flag is, is staggering and this is especially true of jet skiers. Boat strikes are the number one killer of divers and I've had everything from jet skiers grab the float flag because they think it's cool trash, to using it like a slalom marker, buzzing by my head just a few feet away. A distracted buddy, if you black out and aren't weighted properly, you'll most likely start sinking into the abyss. Our defense against this is to always have a buddy at the surface watching, one up, one down, ready and trained to save you if you exert yourself or miscalculate your dive. Everyone knows someone who's blacked out and we make ourselves watch blackout GroPro footage on YouTube to not take it lightly. I visited Cozumel, Mexico last December, the resort just down the beach had a cool jetty tie sheltered this really neat snorkel spot from stirred up sand and mats of seaweed. It created a very distinguished line of clear water and murk. In the three days or so I sat on that jetty or snorkeled, I saw a local kid hop in with a spear and vanish into the murk, returning an hour later with some sort of big ass fish, didn't get a good look. I was also admiring some fist-sized brain corals on the jetty wall when I turned in time to see a little barracuda come straight out of the murk not 10 feet away. Holy shit that kid had balls. I was just chilling alone at one of my go-to catfish honey holes late at night armed only with a flashlight. After hours of nothing I heard a massive slash. Thinking it was a large gar or bowfin I quickly cast it over in the noise of the direction. Then it happened again and again and again. I had finally had enough of this mysterious fish teasing me so I turned on my light. Looking directly at me was a gang of the biggest nutria, giant water rat, I've ever seen. I skirted out there real fast. My grandfather was a fisherman with a bad habit of finding dead bodies. I haven't thought about this in a while but just googled it and found this description of one of his encounters on Saturday July 11, 1970, the Park County Sheriff's Office received a call from a fisherman near Gardner. He'd just pulled up the scariest snag of his life, a waterlogged human torso. By Monday, that mutilated torso was on a table in the Park County Sheriff's Office being examined by the FBI. The head and arms had been cut off. The legs were gone below the knee. On the chest, amid stab wounds, there was a T-shaped cut where the killer had opened his body to get to his innards. Two things were clear, the victim was without a heart, and his murderer was heartless. Turns out it was cannibalism. Angler here. One night while at my favorite fishing spot my friend and I heard a noise. Now this sounded like some rustling about 10 feet or 3 meters away in some bushes. Now my friend called it off as just a rabbit, but I insisted on listening. 
Now that was no rabbit but instead steps. Well in the region I'm from we have quite a lot of coyotes. So we pass it off as a mangy curious beast catching a glimpse of our fire. So to progress the night and feel easy we began to make noise and toss sticks and rocks to the bush. After a lengthy sit by the fire and a few more pops we headed home leaving a few belongings behind. Well. When we returned the next day to retrieve our left belongings we noticed two sets of tracks. One large one small. These my friends belong to cats. Oh yes one mighty big cat and her cub. The feeling I had in my stomach was not due to the beverages from the night before but the feeling of cheating death. Sometimes it doesn't even need to be dark or deep, water is scary. I was kayaking in about 3 feet of relatively clear water and I passed over a stingray that had to have been 5 to 6 foot from wingtip to wingtip. I've never been so startled by something that was lying dormant on the ground before. It took me a second to realize what it was but as soon as I made out the shape of her head it sent probably the worst chill I have ever felt down my spine. I gave her a nice poke with my paddle and the water actually swelled and pushed me and my 15.5 feet kayak away when she took off. Of all the things I have seen out there while on my own, this was legitimately the most scary. They aren't really aggressive or anything like that but knowing that something that large and sporting a razor sharp foot and a half long venomous barb can be laying in sand below 3 feet of water is unreal. When I was a kid I went on vacation at a lake. I was in the water having a great time and for reasons I can't remember now I wanted a stick. I thought my best bet at finding one was underwater so I put my goggles on and dove under. Grabbed at a stick that looked promising and a huge fish popped out behind it and lunged straight for my face. The stick must have been in front of its little burrow in the sand or something. I was terrified and wouldn't swim in a lake again for years. One of the scariest moments of my life, in my early 20s, girlfriend and I go down to Ocean City MD for a week-long vacation. We rent a jet ski one day and are out for quite some time. At one point I stop for a minute so that we can talk, she's on the back of mine. We're stopped for maybe a minute just floating in the water when something came up right underneath us, enough to partially lift the jet ski out of the water and come very close to knocking us off. I almost had a heart attack and to this day I have no clue what it was, but that was enough to keep me out of the water for the next day or two. A long time ago I was fishing the Yellowstone River in eastern Montana and thought I had a snag so I tried to break my line off. It started to come so I reeled it in and found I had caught a Ruger .22 pistol loaded and still in its holster with a belt on it. I turned it in to the sheriff's department a year or two later they returned it to me because they couldn't locate the owner. Last year while hunting in eastern WA I found a four-point skull about six feet up in a pine sapling. It looked like the sapling it began growing through the eye socket and carried the skull up with it. I have never seen anything like it.
hunting the John Day breaks for Chukar, deep in the canyon midway to Cottonwood. Above the river on one of the benches, there was a circular rock structure, maybe eight feet diameter with a waist-high wall made of single-stacked rocks. I checked it out for a while and thought maybe it was an old-time sheepherder's rough shelter. But that just didn't seem right, and there was no fire ring or any sign at all of occupation. Now, all along the John Day there's petroglyphs of bighorn sheep. I suspect this shelter was actually a blind from which the Indians hunted the bighorn. In an iron mining region, hardwood forests have grown up and covered the old mines and villages. One winter day after exploring a hard rock mine that bats hibernated in, we hiked the hill that rose above the mine. A short ways up we came upon an old cemetery from the 1870s, in actually very good condition considering it was unmaintained there in the oak forest. Reading the graves, you would find clusters sharing the same date of death indicating the mine had seen a number of bad accidents. And just fun. I was doing an August afternoon day hike by myself in the Jefferson Wilderness, looping up and around Canyon Creek Meadows on Three Finger Jack. Hiking back out, I followed the creek where there were deer around every corner. My exploratory detours made my hike much longer and darkness fell. Being familiar with the terrain and being a warm, clear summer night I wasn't concerned about walking around in the dark, I actually like nighttime hikes a lot. I finally picked up the PCT, heading north a little until intersecting the trail that would take me due east and back down to Jack Lake Trailhead. This trail skirts Wasco Lake. Coming down and approaching the lake, but above it, I heard a guitar and singing. Stopping at a cliff above the lake, some ways below me invisible in the dark was a small group singing Don McLean's American Pie. You know how sound carries over water? So I sat and finished my canteen and listened through all the long songs verses. Finally they finished. Saying nothing, I just clapped in appreciation and continued down the trail. I'm sure they must still wonder who the heck was out there in the night, clapping, Bigfoot? 